One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show and another Ask Me Anything. Now, I am publishing this in January 2021, but if you remember back to November, we did an Ask Me Anything together. You very kindly and very generously sent in your submissions for questions, and we went through it all, and I said at the end of the episode, you know what, there are still quite a few questions, maybe done enough for another episode, but... Um, well, there were. And then I was going to do it before Christmas, but then I did the From the Vault series, which thank you very much for everybody who's taken the time to feedback on that. The response has been really wonderful and so lovely to see that and hear that so many of you had discovered episodes of the podcast that had been around for a little while. The show will be going for nine, nine years, five years in April. And so there's a hell of a lot of content for you to have uh, for you to consume there's a lot if you are just finding the show now there's a lot to catch up on so it's really nice actually to bring those episodes to the top of the feed and I know that people like Gretchen Rubin and Jen Sincero have really made an impact on people Marissa Peer, Sam Chapman so I'm so glad that I was able to share those with you so it meant that I put the second half of this ask me anything forward to January which I hope is a nice treat for you if you're listening to this um in January when it goes live. So actually, one of the reasons why uh, there was some overmatter, as we call it in the biz, from um, the previous episode is that a lot of the questions that I'm getting at the moment are do tend to be about weight and weight loss and body confidence and body image. And so that's, that does feature quite a lot in this episode. So I hope that if that's of interest to you, there is a lot of that content, but there's also quite a lot of other stuff. So fear not. These are your questions, so hopefully these answers will be helpful. And we're actually going to start off with a question that has come up loads and loads and loads. And it's about how to work from home effectively and maintain one's mental health. And I've had various different versions of this question. Because if you follow me on Instagram, where I'm at Emma Guns, you'll know that in the morning, I usually check in with you just before I'm about to work out. Now, I'm going to be really honest with you. I have got some strategies that I'm going to share with you that I can tell you firsthand really, really work. They get your head in the right place. They help you um, maximize your productivity when you're working from home. They help keep you efficient. They, they basically stop you from going into weekend mode. And I believe them to be really, really effective and incredibly efficient. But I have to be really honest with you, my most excellent listeners, because I always am. I've really struggled with this myself in the last, just before Christmas, between Christmas and New Year, and in this first week of January, to the point where I was just having a conversation on WhatsApp with um, Caroline Nadine and Claire Coleman, 
and we were and I was saying this has been legitimately the worst week I've had in lockdown we are in for those of you who don't know in the UK we are uh, we went into our third full lockdown at the beginning of this week and it just kind of I think it's been hard getting out of Christmas mode that finally thing of oh finally I can relax and then it's been trying to get back to that sort of energy that maybe you had or one had at the beginning of December but there's also been that that sort of feeling of well, what's the point we know where this is going like what is the point I'm not going anywhere so it has been a bit more of a struggle and then this morning I woke up and I felt much more energized and I had sort of lent into it enough to feel it and recognize it but thankfully I sort of sprang out of it but I think one of the things that helped me do that was the tips that I'm going to share with you so the first thing I think is really important for working from home and maintaining your mental health being able to be efficient and productive and also keep your head straight, is to have a structure. And fundamentally, that starts and ends with the time you get up and the time that you go to sleep. And in order to maximise your day, I cannot tell you, for me personally, and I know for a lot of people, the benefit of getting up at the same time every day and going to bed at the same time every day. And I was trying to, uh, I was really trying to make this happen because I've got into that habit of getting up a little bit later, going to bed a little bit later, almost a little bit studenty. And it reminded me of those student days when you'd get up late, go to bed late. And I don't want to go back there. I'm not a student anymore. I'm a 43 year old woman and I need to get my crap together. So um, on Wednesday, was it Wednesday night? Anyway, one night I was feeling really bad and hormonal and I got into bed at 7.15 and I thought, this is this is it, this is going to be fine, I'm going to watch a bit of TV in bed, do some reading and then I'm going to be asleep by 10pm, 10, 10 that's going to be great. And then my phone started blowing up because people were saying, turn on the news, there's something happening at the Senate. So then I was up to the early hours. That's kind of me going off on a tangent. The point being, we are animals, we are creatures of habit. And we love, 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 love getting up at the same time and going to bed at the same time. In nature, we would get up with the sun, we would go to bed with the sun. It's just as simple as that. So if you can put in place a getting up time and a going to bed time, that is around the same time every day. And what I mean is I set my alarm for seven o'clock and I haven't been getting up with it, truthfully. I've been propping myself up in bed and putting on the news. And actually what I need to do is when that alarm goes off, get up and make the bed and start moving. I don't have to do my workout then. I can just even go into the living room and do my jigsaw puzzle for a little bit with a cup of hot water and lemon, whatever it might be. But just getting up and going to bed at the same time really, really helps. I know because I've fallen out of that habit and I know that by this time next week, I will be back in that habit and it will be serving me extremely, extremely well. You might be thinking, okay, that might work for the weekday. I get it, but what about weekends? I personally allow myself an hour either side. So on weekdays, if I get up at seven, on a weekend, I get up at eight. On weekdays, if I go to bed at 10, on weekends, I go to bed at 11. It's kind of as simple as that. And usually what happens once you get into that habit is that you still wake up at your weekday time, but you can just kind of relax a bit, a little bit, and enjoy that extra hour where you're not getting up or doing anything and think it's the weekend, I'm allowed. The other thing is to incorporate things into your structure that aren't to do with work and I know that everybody's job and work is completely different I obviously work for myself I produce this podcast I write I do various other consultancy bits and what have you but if I'm just at my desk if I go from bed to work out to desk and there's no real break 
that becomes incredibly monotonous and it becomes very easy to, to break. And so I found actually that incorporating a couple of breaks, but active breaks, a little bit like active rest during a workout, right? Active breaks are incredibly helpful. And so I'm going to talk about my jigsaw. So I've got a jigsaw in the living room. It's a thousand pieces. It's very difficult. I, I actually woke up at two o'clock in the morning last night. See, I'm not quite on my structure, my ritual, my regime yet. And thought, oh, maybe I should get the tray out from the cupboard and try and organize the pieces by color. So at two o'clock in the morning, I went out and did that, which might not have been sensible, but I did it. So, you know, beside the point. But I've got an Apple Watch and I... Um, usually set the timer for 30 minutes to an hour, depending on what my workload is like. And I will sit and read for half an hour, sit and do my jigsaw for half an hour, go for a walk for half an hour. One of those things, once a day is usually enough, but sometimes depending, sometimes you might need to, I mean, sometimes I might need to do it before I start working because actually my head's not ready to really focus. But that really, really helps. Half an hour to an hour of doing something that you would think would be not work, but actually it's just kind of giving your brain an active rest. I find that to be incredibly helpful. And I do feel as though if you're feeling very, very sluggish and you are able, using that time to just walk around the block is so, so helpful. And I think the other thing, and this is really, this really feeds back to mental health, is getting organized and being clean and tidy. So by being organized, I mean, and this actually goes for my entire uh, home, not just my office, but if anything is disorganized, not in its place, out of place, or doesn't need to be there, it will impact my productivity without a shadow of a doubt, because it'll be that niggling thing that I should do, want to do, or need to do. And it would take 30 seconds to go and put that bag in the recycling or go and put that thing in the bin. But, and so it's just easier to do it. So what I do at the end of every working day is I tidy my desk and I'm and I've got two desk drawers. I tidy everything, put everything in order. I wipe down my keyboard because I tend to obviously I, sometimes when I'm doing tutorials, my fingers get makeup on them and I like my keyboard to be nice and clean. I wipe down my desk. I put everything <laughs> so it's organized at nice right angles. I then put everything that needs to be in the cupboard away. And then I will either rake the carpet, you know, just to brush the carpet, or I will actually also hoover it depending on what's happening. And that way, when I come into the office the following morning, it looks clean and new and bright and fresh. And instantly, I feel as though the day is going to be more productive. That's just for me. But it also works in the kitchen. So, for example, at the moment, I'm convinced my kitchen cupboards are not organized optimally. I think that actually I've got some canned goods where there should be glassware and so I need to rejig and so I was going to do it before Christmas but actually it's on my list of things to do this weekend because it's getting to the point now where when I go into the kitchen it's bugging me so it's just easier to do it try it on for a while if it works it works if it doesn't I can just move everything back to the way it was it's just really really that simple. So being clean and being organized I feel really really helps and it comes back to that principle as well of the first thing you can do for your mental health is to get up and make the bed. And it really is ticking off that task, ticking off that very, very simple thing. And somehow that just makes you feel like when you get out of the shower, you go back into the bedroom, it just feels like something's done and everything feels organized. Because if the, I don't know about you, but when I was really struggling with my mental health, if I didn't make the bed and, you know, I, I 
99% you're always going to get back into it at some point during the day. And, you know, the bed is for sleeping, not for hiding under the covers and wishing bad things not to be happening. So that's what I would say. It's all about structure. Get up and go to bed at the same time. Try to organize your day into tasks. Um, I don't know about you. I, I obviously, I use social media for work, but I can sometimes get lost down a social media hole. Sometimes it's really helpful to say, right, from three until four o'clock, I'm going to do that. From 12.30 to 1.30, I'm going to do that. And then introduce those active rest tasks, things that still use your brain or just freshen things up, just shake it off. Also, there's a lot to be said for getting up every 30 minutes or so and just doing some arm stretches, moving around, just not getting too sedentary. So that's that's how I do it. It might work for you, it might not, but those are definitely things that have really helped me. And I've been working from home now, it will be eight years this summer. And I feel like I I feel like I do okay. I mean, I'm probably I could be more efficient, but I feel like I do okay. So there we go. Another question that has come in is this is a really good one actually and has really made me think this one is how did you move from weight loss mode into maintenance mode whilst managing binging impulses so the backstory to this if you are a relatively new listener is that um uh, i realized when i uh, in my recovery from my breast reduction surgery i realized that um i had a very i mean i knew it on some level, but I realized that I had a very unhealthy and toxic relationship with food. I talked previously about food feeling like an addiction and it had been that thing slightly of being not taken seriously or being like, come on, Emma, people are addicted to her to heroin, not bread, please. Um, but it had felt like that and I just sort of addressed it and read a book called Brain Over Binge, the link to which I will put in the show notes. It's also in my highlights on my Instagram feed. I linked to that book so many times, but it's Brain Over Binge by Katherine Hansen. The link is permanently an announcement in the Facebook group as well. And reading that made me see what my relationship with food was. And it was an unhealthy one. And it was basically binge eating. It's essentially, uh, it, it has the characteristics of bulimia, but without the purging. And I was able to address that and, and manage it. And it's such a it's such an interesting way that this was phrased is managing binging impulses. Because I think, well, first of all, I think this might be the hardest part of weight loss for me personally, because I had never reached a maintenance phase before. I'd always lost weight, reached my goal. And then kind of gone straight back up because my default setting with food was one where I gained weight. Um, and so I never knew how to do maintenance because I only ever knew how to be on a diet or to be eating in a way that wasn't serving me well. So maintenance has been really, really challenging. And it isn't like being on a diet still because obviously you're not, your goal isn't to lose weight every week or however, however regularly you weigh yourself it is to re redefine rebalance that relationship with food so that what you're eating you're you're pretty much staying the same and I've never really been there before um but it's not that there's a trick or a tip but I think I'm just so much more thoughtful about what I eat and if I do think I really fancy a bit of a blowout I'll ask myself why so this week um, as I've already admitted on this podcast, I've had my I had my worst few days in lockdown and I'm fine now, but I definitely felt the grumps really, really badly. 
And on Monday, I was like, nothing else will do. I need pizza and I need it now. And I didn't even think about it. Um, and then it turned out, uh, I track, I track my cycle in my app and it turned out that I was completely on track <laughs> to be having cravings, if you, if you know what I mean. But what I tend to do, if I get that feeling of, oh, I want to blow out or I really fancy pastry or I really want bread or I really fancy something naughty. Like if that word comes into my mind now, because of the work I did with that book, I think, okay, what's really going on here? Are you feeling a bit shit? Are you feeling hormonal? What's actually going on? Like what would actually, and Amelia Freer said it when she came on the podcast, my default thing now when I feel like I want to do something naughty, and I am using air quotes when I say that, because if you have an unhealthy relationship with food, you'll know that there are foods that you label naughty and foods that you label good or bad or whatever. If I do feel that, I come back to something Amelia said, or she said it perfectly when she came on the podcast recently, which is, ask yourself what the kindest thing I can do for myself now is. And whenever I think about that, I think, well, actually, that's not going to be the kindest thing for myself. Because, okay, if I'm craving bad food, bad inverted commas, if I'm craving a certain type of food, um, and it's because it's hormones, actually, what, what are foods that would actually support my hormones right now? What, what are foods that would actually make me feel full, but also not spike my, uh, you know, sugar, glucose, insulin, all of those things. I try to think about it like that because the short-term gain of eating the pizza and the junk food, for want of a better expression, um, it, it's very short-term. It's just in the moment you, I mean, I don't know about you, but I always feel a little bit gross afterwards. So I tend, that's how I tend to manage it. But as you can probably hear, I there's no definitive way and it's still quite new to me it really is but that's that's kind of the cycle that I'm in of whenever I go whenever it comes to making food I think about the thing that's going to make me feel good what's the what's the meal that I can make that I know is going to make me feel good and one of my favorite meals is one of the recipes from Ian Hay's seven day basket which is the lentil mushroom and bolognese and Sally and I talked about this we both really enjoy this when she came on the podcast and it's got a beautiful, there's something really methodical and simple about the way you cook it. You just have to dice a lot of vegetables and then let it simmer for a little while. So there's something really nice about the process. But when I eat that, it's delicious. But I also know that it's packed full of fiber. It's vegetables. It, it just I just know that it is something I can enjoy. It makes me feel really full. And I know that it'll make me feel good the next day as well because it's packed full of the kind of energy that will support my workout the next morning. If you follow me on, on Instagram, Adam McGuns, you'll know that I work out in the morning. So I think about it a bit more like that rather than the short term one of, oh, I really fancy something sugary or I really fancy a quick hit. I now think about, well, is this going to, is this going to make my workout tomorrow really good? I know that's a little bit, might feel a little bit woolly and it's because I haven't really sorted it out definitively in my own mind. It's still very much a work in progress. And I also worry a little bit about saying, definitively what works for me because in truth it's not always easy to explain and because it's it's taken me over 20 years to figure this out and it's still something I'm figuring out and I feel like sharing what I'm doing suggests that it's a fix and that this is a hard and fast rule and that actually now all the hard work is over I've lost the weight the hard work is over and it's not like it feels almost as if it doesn't feel like hard work but it definitely is a consideration every single day because I know that my previous default setting was overeating and I don't want to do that. So I have to 
work quite hard to make sure that my default is the what's the best thing I can do for myself now even though hormones stress other things are going to make me think the old way I don't know if that helps but I really really hope it does um Someone else has asked about, um, they've said, can you talk about intermittent fasting? How long have you been doing it and what are the benefits? So I don't want to seem too um, evangelical about intermittent fasting because it's not, it's not a, um, it's not like a quick fix. And I personally don't do it to create a calorie deficit. And I know that uh, someone sent me a really brilliant message recently saying, uh, but you talked about it. And obviously there's going to be a calorie deficit. I, I personally don't see, I personally don't think of it that way because I'm not, for me, I'm not, I don't cut out meals. Like I start the day and I have a breakfasty meal, then I have a lunch a little bit later and then I finish my uh, eating window with a dinner. So I still have what you would call a three, three meals, a three part meal, a three meal. Anyway, but I started to do intermittent fasting a couple of years ago because I'd heard about it on a Tim Ferriss podcast and there was all this evidence to say that if you have a fasting window that the health benefits are many varied but are proven and are wonderful but they are some big big claims so I don't necessarily want to repeat them here because I don't want to suggest that um, because there are I mean I mean I can go online now and you can find things like um, animal studies have suggested that intermittent fasting may prevent cancers and all, all sorts of things like that. And I, that's not what I want to bring you. And I think if I do ever bring you that episode, it will be with an expert who can really speak on that. But for me, I heard on the Rich Roll podcast recently, uh, he asked somebody, what's the best thing you can do for health and longevity? And he said, honestly, eat less. This idea that we have to breakfast, lunch and dinner is kind of crazy and actually, when Rangan Chatterjee, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee came on the podcast recently, we talked about the fact that in his new book, um, Lose Weight, Feel Great, he actually talks about the fact that the body isn't designed to be constantly digesting food. It takes a lot of effort and energy for the body to digest food. So if you're constantly eating, you or if, not if you're constantly eating, if you are eating three meals and two snacks or three meals and three snacks a day, your body is spending a lot of time digesting. And that's energy that could be spent in other parts of the body. So that's where you get the evidence that suggests that intermittent fasting uh, is really good for um, the brain hormones and may aid the growth of new nerve cells and may be really good for overall brain health and also may may reduce things like bad cholesterol and reduce inflammation and reduce insulin resistance and also be anti-aging. I personally don't do it for that reason, although I would say that that's there, there are studies that prove all of those things. I do it because if I eat between 12 and 8 and I fast between 8 and 12 midday, I sleep better. And as somebody who's had years and years of IBS, I have a much more regular digestive system. And for me, that's the win. I don't think about the calories I'm consuming during my eating window too much, although I do, I am mindful about what I eat and I'm much more mindful now than I used to be about what I eat and when I eat. And so I am, I am conscious of my calorie intake and I do have a rough figure that I try to keep it around, but I also exercise, don't forget. So um, that comes into play too. But for me, genuinely, eating makes me feel sluggish. And if, I think Nadine talked about this when she came on the podcast as well ages ago, 
if she eats, she's not as alert. Like, you know, if she's going to do live TV, even if it's at four o'clock in the afternoon, she's gonna, she's going to have just had caffeine beforehand, maybe caffeine, some Pepsi Max, you know, you know the score. And I'm very much the same. When I used to do live TV, I wouldn't eat beforehand because it, I felt like it would just sort of soften my game. So not that that's necessarily healthy, but it, but the studies show that if you have an intermittent fasting window, Sorry, if you have a fasting window, there are lots and lots of benefits. And maybe what I'll do in a future episode, because I have had so many messages about intermittent fasting, is I will get an expert on somebody who can really speak to the benefits, maybe how to eat in your eating window so that you're actually getting the most out of intermittent fasting and what to do in your fasting window so you're getting the most out of that too. Um, Dr. Rhonda Patrick actually has some brilliant insights on intermittent fasting that I've heard her share. So I will... I will endeavor to get somebody on because I've had so many questions that it would suggest that you are really, really interested in this topic. And as you know, I make this podcast for you, which is why every now and again, we do an Ask Me Anything and I answer your questions. But really, just to clarify for me, intermittent fasting, it's not about calorie restriction. It's about optimizing how I feel, how I sleep and optimizing my digestive system. There we go. This is a brilliant question. The next question is, what are you looking forward to this year? And I'm so pleased to see this question because obviously 2020 has got a really bad rap and 2021 kind of started off a little bit strangely. But um, let's try and be optimistic. What am I looking forward to this year? I'm looking forward to the vaccine rollout. I'm looking forward to hopefully um, being able to see my family soon. I <laughs> That's probably another reason why I've had a crappy week. It's been a long, long time and I obviously miss them. But the the way that I can show them how much I love them, this is how I try to flip it. I'm showing them every day by not going near them how much I love them. I stay in contact with them, but I just have to be, we all have to be really, really careful. And so, but I am looking forward to seeing them this year. Um, what else am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the conversations I'm going to have on this podcast because when I published the From the Vault series in December, one of the reasons I posted I wanted to do that series a to reshare some people whose episodes I really don't want people to have missed and I feel like they're as relevant now as they were the day that they were recorded um and they're very much so when I republished Sam Chapman's episode where we had a very frank conversation about our mental health and both having depression I felt that was really pertinent at the time because a lot of people really were struggling and communicating with me that they were struggling in December and one of the things that really struck me about that episode with Sam was how the color and shape of her depression was very different from the color and shape of mine, but they were both affecting us and they were both depressive states. And I think sometimes just hearing someone else speak in a way that reflects your own experience can be really helpful. And so I was really delighted to share that again. And the feedback I got from you was that it, it was exactly what a lot of people needed. So. So that's why I published that series. But the other thing it was allowed me to do was just to take a little bit of a step back from constantly recording brand new episodes and researching, um, research, constantly researching to take a step back and look at what what we're going to do in 2021. Just gave me a teensy bit of breathing space to look at the kind of people that I want to get on, the kind of questions that I want to ask um, and the kind of episodes that... I want to build and create with you guys and also a couple of different formats that um, I think are really important. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that the Feel Good Habits franchise, if you want to call it that, the series, came about because I 
one morning at the beginning of the first lockdown, I thought I'm not giving my listeners what I think they really need right now. And that's how it was born in the middle of a in the middle of a workout on a BOSU ball. But there we go. That's beside the point. But I was I was allowed to, to do that. So there are going to be a couple of different formats coming your way soon. But they're also going to be hopefully some some really amazing guests coming. And I just wanted to just look at a couple of subjects look at them a bit laterally, all of those things. So that's what I'm looking forward to this year. It's, it's just the podcast really evolving. Like I said a few minutes ago, the podcast will be five in April. So um, I've been going a really long while and I want to take the show from strength to strength and I want to keep bringing you the people that are really helpful, that give you the right kind of information that are expert. I also want to have fun on this show, but I just, and also empower. So there's a lot that I want to try and achieve and I know that your messages are so wonderful when you tell me what you want to hear. So um, just that's what I'm looking forward to this year in my work life. In my personal life, I'm just looking forward to seeing my family and the idea of seeing mates again. I actually drove around to um, drop something off at Nadine Baggett's the other day and I wouldn't go anywhere near her. (laughs) And it was so weird because it was freezing cold. We were standing outside like 10 feet apart just try having a catch up and as you know what started I'm I'm only going to stop for five minutes ended up being us freezing our toes off in the cold but it was just so nice to actually not through a zoom call not on the other end of the phone just to see a friend even though we were trust me we I stayed well away from her because we were both being very very conscious of it um but it was nice to just see a human that I knew and actually, uh this uh leads quite nicely into the next question because somebody has said to me do people notice a difference in you since your breast reduction? And actually, I was going to try and get Nadine on the, on the phone to leave me a voice memo because she's she'd be the first to explain what she thinks. But I'm going to speak for her because she was filming, so she couldn't actually record it. But do people notice a difference in you since your breast reduction? I think that all of my mates who have seen me since, and obviously it's been a while since I've seen all of them, but they would say absolutely yes. Not to begin with, but... Um, because I was still so used to hunching and uh, hiding. But I think everybody who knows me well would say that it was a very, um, it was a a good decision. Not because of the operation in itself, although that obviously did the job that it was supposed to do, but because if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know that when I had the reduction and I didn't look the way that I wanted, I realized that it had nothing to do with surgery. It had to do with the fact that I, I wanted to lose weight um, and I'd never really succeeded on that path before. I was always, I succeeded for a while, then I went back up, maybe got a bit heavier. So it was like, right, how do I address all of this? And so the breast reduction actually allowed me to put the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together, allowed me to see everything from above, if you like, and actually make some really important changes in my life. So I think I think all of my friends would say 100% yes. They say, I'll tell you what they say to me. They say, you're more confident, you don't hide, you stand up straight is <laughs> a big one. And um, the, the main thing that Nadine will always say is that on Instagram, you used to very much be from the neck up. And it's so different when you look on your page and you can see that you filmed a video one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. 
So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And we can see, I can see the top of your jeans. So um, that really tells you, doesn't it? Like the camera's getting further and further and further away. So... Um, Yes, I would say that people, my friends would say that they've noticed a difference in, um, in me since I had a breast reduction. And one of the uh, one of the things I would like to do, hopefully in the not too distant future, and we might do it over Zoom, is have a bit of a catch up call on this show with some of my mates. And maybe I'll ask them that again, because um, like I said, I do like to entertain you and you do know it'll be a laugh. Um, and maybe I'll ask that question again when I've got my pals on the line and we can see what they actually say. This is a really interesting question next. Have you ever experienced any racism or bias in the industry? And if so, how did you deal with it? This is a really interesting question and one that I, uh, something I interrogated actually uh, last summer when the Black Lives Matter movement was happening, because obviously uh, this was a topic of conversation. It was very much front of mind. And I actually, for the first time, had to have a, a real think about it in the context of me because I was I began to get asked this question a lot and I will be very honest and say that I don't think I've ever experienced any certainly overt racism in the industry I think if I've ever experienced anything in fashion and beauty it would have been more likely to have been sizeism when I was overweight rather than racism um But I would be lying if I said that in the early days of my career, I didn't send off my CV and worry about who might read it and what they might think of a long surname, which I guess is what the question is really asking. And if you remember when Perez Hilton came on the podcast recently, I mean, his real name is Mario Lavandiera. And he said, you know, he calls himself Perez Hilton. He says, you call yourself Emma Guns. Part of it is to hide your ethnicity, right? And there is something to be said. I make it a lot easier for people to say my name because navigating, having to explain a long Sri Lankan name is a pain. I don't enjoy doing I don't enjoy doing it and I don't enjoy the questions it throws up because I've always lived in England. Um, I've, I've, I've only been to Sri Lanka once and that was when I did a stopover. So I've only ever actually been into the airport. I know nothing about, I know nothing about the culture or anything. So whatever questions it throws up, I feel like, I don't know. I just don't know. I just, just DNA really. So, um, so I guess for me, I've always just, it's never really been something I bring up, but it's certainly also never been anything that anyone has ever brought up to me. I would say that, I've never had any uh, racism. I have definitely had people comment on my weight, though. Um, I remember being on a shoot once and we were shooting a very famous TV star and we were 
sort of the background artists, all the crew and all the people on the shoot were asked to sort of get in the background. And the photographer kept saying, Emma, can you suck in your gut? Suck it in a bit more? No, suck it in so it's flat. Emma, it's in shot. It's blocking. Suck it in. And that was humiliating. Um, but it probably was sticking out. I was overweight and uh, had a big gut. So what can I say? So that's that's really the thing that I would say about my own personal experience. But obviously I have friends who feel very differently and who feel that they have experienced racism and bias in the industry. And if you would like an episode on that, if you would like me to ask them on, to really talk about that, what it feels like and how they've overcome it, then let me know. Uh, you can email me on thebeautypodcast at gmail.com and I will get them on the podcast and we'll have that conversation. I recently had a chat with my good friend, Anita Bagwandas, who... We, we have this conversation a lot, actually. And I always say I feel like I'm in this weird zone because I pass. I don't look Sri Lankan. I don't look English. I don't think I look, but I, but I pass. And that maybe means that I, I, don't, I don't get it as badly. And I sometimes feel bad for that because obviously I then hide my very obviously foreign surname so maybe we'll get anita on maybe we need to have that conversation if you want to hear it like i said email me at the beauty podcast at gmail.com or you can slide into my dms where i'm at emma guns um on instagram and twitter or join the facebook group ask me in the facebook group the link to join is in the show notes um from that to something a lot more light-hearted which is what is your favorite biscuit <laughs> and believe it or not that was almost as challenging as the last question no obviously i jest it is, it's the rich tea biscuit, very simple, but because you really get a lot of bang for your buck with a cup of tea and two rich tea biscuits. I, I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's sim. I know it's basic. I some, I've tried a chocolate digestive. Doesn't do it for me. It has to be a rich tea biscuit, not a rich tea finger. I dabbled with those recently, but no, a rich tea biscuit. I do like a custard cream though. And I do quite like a pink wafer, but I'm only ever going to have biscuits with a cup of tea. So it's a rich tea biscuit. That's that's where I sit. That's where I land. I'm very happy with that. <laughs> Another great question comes from, uh, well, I don't know who it's from actually, but it's a great intro. Someone has asked, what are your thoughts on microblading? My thoughts on microblading are that it looks great, but you have to be very, very careful who you go to. Even friends of mine who've gone to pretty reputable places have come out being very upset with how bold they are. Whereas I saw, again, Sally Hughes on her feed recently. She went to go and see Nez Hassan, who I've only ever heard incredible things about on um, about microblading. She went to see her when it was permissible to go to Salon before this um, most recent lockdown. And Sally's eyebrows look incredible. And that was the thing that made me go, ooh, I think I need to get microblading. But then I did, I have to be honest, I did inquire about the price and it isn't inexpensive. And I think uh, I looked at a couple of places and sort of, it was always over 500 pounds. And because I've never entertained microblading before, I, um, or I did once, but it sort of never came came about. I had forgotten the price. And I, when I saw the price, I actually messaged Caroline, the Dean and Claire Coleman and said, can I just check? Is microblading actually 500 pounds? Because I've never invested anything at that price that didn't have an engine or a core processor. And they were like, no, no, that's the cost of it. So um, 
I, which made me actually think, because I've got quite dark brows, do I really need to go and get microblading? Because my brows are quite thick, they're quite dark. It's quite an expense to just, for, for maybe what would be a relatively subtle difference. But on some people, it just looks absolutely, absolutely incredible. And right now, I think I'm sort of faking the brow that I want with um, pencils like Benefits, precisely my brow. And also I'm using the L'Oreal Plump and Brow um, thing at the moment, which is brilliant. So I'll put the links to those in the show notes. But um, my thoughts on microblading are if you you can get some really, really wonderful results. But if you're going to see somebody, look at before and afters, don't buy cheap. Not when you're getting your face temporarily tattooed. The other thing is I know people who've had it done, loved it, but didn't want to keep it up. And they've got almost like a slightly gingery, um, not residue, but like sort of afterglow of where it's really taking a long time to fade. So that's another thing to bear in mind. Um, really ask a lot of questions, look for before and afters and think about, you know, whether you want to do it long term or long term or whether it's just a a thing that you want to basically try and see what it's like. Um, but honestly, I've seen some amazing results. I will put the link to Nez in the show notes. I've never been to her, but based on what I saw her do for Sally, and I think she's done Sam and Nick as well, she is incredible and absolutely uh, worth going to go and see because she gets a very natural but wonderful result so so there we go another question that's come in a lot where do you start on a fitness journey please I'm a complete beginner I want to stay fit and healthy and I don't know where to begin and this has been coming a version of this question has been coming in a lot recently and I would just say doing something every day And it doesn't have to be a big thing. And I've talked about this in the podcast recently about how to get motivated, which kind of answered this question in a sort of slight from a slightly different angle. But I would say that if you want to begin on a fitness journey, the first thing is to figure out what your goal is and then work back. So, for example, um, it could be a weight loss thing. It could be an ability thing. You could so you could be wanting to lose a bit of weight or you could be wanting to uh, run a 5K in 30 minutes, which is a great pace, by the way. Or it could be that you want to lift a certain amount of weights, whatever it might be. So figure out what it is that you want to achieve. Also take a look at that and figure out if it's actually achievable. Like, is it is it something you should be aspiring to do or is it a little bit excessive? And then plot your way back from that. And on the way to your ultimate goal, plot some wins so that you can get that nice little dopamine endorphin rush along the way. So if you just want to be active every day or if you just want to if you just want to move every day if you just want to move around every day for the the benefits the health benefits then it can be a walk it can be whatever it can be yoga it just do something every day doesn't have to be half an hour could be 10 minutes could be 15 minutes i at the moment as many of you know i'm using the Jillian Michaels app which i find to be brilliant because Gillian absolutely kicks your ass um, and everything that you might possibly need is in there but she very much caters for beginners too so actually when you first go into the app the first thing you see she's got a handful of seven minute workouts so the thing is as soon as you download the app you're like oh what's this all about you see a seven minute workout what are you going to do you're going to you're going to start one you're going to see what it's all about they're actually really really good you can put the fact you can put that you are a beginner into your settings so that whenever it feeds you a workout it feeds you the beginner level you can also um say that you're intermediate you can say that you're advanced so that's the thing i would say 
If you are really starting from zero and you don't think your fitness is great and what we're talking about here is maybe you get out of breath really easily or maybe when you get out of a chair you go or you things creak and snap and cackle crackle then five minutes walking around the block every day or just five minutes of yoga just little things and build up it really depends where you're starting from and a fitness journey doesn't need to look like a lycra model or you know the instagram feed of an elite model or a fitstagrammer or whatever they call them it like your fitness journey is your fitness journey and however that looks is how it looks so I like sweaty betty power leggings you all know that right I work I tend to work out in those and I like to wear a nice sports bra and I've got my (laughs) I've got my blue dumbbells and my purple yoga mat and that color coordination is very important I won't tolerate pink I won't tolerate orange but if you're coming in my gym blue and purple gear is where it's at. Don't ask me why, it's just the way it is. My brother, on the other hand, he has no bells and whistles. He has sticks. He's got sort of Olympic um, rings hanging off his kitchen. He's got um, a pull-up bar hanging off the door frame. What I'm, his does not look like a fitness journey of anything that you see in Instagram. But is he in, in great shape? Does he do something every day? Absolutely. So don't worry about what it looks like, just do it. And like I said, whether that's five minutes of yoga, and trust me, I've fallen out of doing yoga and I really had to ask myself why recently because I love it so much and it's because it's cold. In the summer, I'd finish work, it could be seven o'clock, still plenty of daylight, I could work on leggings and a vest and I could do half an hour of yoga, whether it was a weight loss yoga, weight loss meaning the more dynamic, it's on yoga with Adrian or whether it was a stretchy yoga, something to really sort of unwind after a busy day. I had all of the tools in front of me to do something. But now when I finish work, it's chilly. I want to get into my tracksuit bottoms, which is not what I wear to do yoga. And so I've fallen out of the habit and I really want to get back into it. And so that's where something like having the right kit does make a little bit of a difference. But also I just think, well, maybe I'll just do a bit more yoga when it gets warmer, when the evenings get a little bit longer and not really overthink it because what I can do now is when I finish work at six or seven o'clock there's nothing to stop me if I haven't already been out for my uh, permitted uh, bit of exercise I can walk around the block for 15 minutes get some cold fresh air I mean it's a very crisp winter day here in London today I can go out get 15 minutes of fresh air in my lungs and boy does it feel good so where do you start on a fitness journey just by starting to do some movement and ask ask yourself what your goal is and then working back from there. And don't set yourself something really difficult and that's that's so, so easy to think, oh, I'll just download that thing and I'll do that every single day. If week one is that you just do one easy workout, that's still one step on a fitness journey. Make it really, really easy on yourself. Sometimes starting slower it's like, it's like retinizing. It's like getting used to retinol. You start slow and you build up. Same with fitness. Start slow, depending on where you are, and build up. If you already think that you have a decent level of fitness, then you can be a little bit punchier. But just, I think the kindest thing you can do, coming back to what Amelia said, is just start easy, start kindly, and set yourself a goal. And don't be too hard on yourself, but just appreciate the wins when you have them I know my friend the other morning messaged me at about eight o'clock and said I've just been for a really amazing beautiful 45 minute walk I wasn't thinking about being fit I just wanted to get out enjoy the morning and I saw foxes playing and I heard birds singing and that was but that was still part of 
the fact that they wanted to be a bit more active and go walking. So just be really, really nice to yourself. This is a question that I am getting a lot at the moment, this next one, and this is about my hair loss journey, or shall we call it my hair gain journey? And this is all about my hair density. And again, I'm going to be very honest. The last time I posted about my hair loss, hair gain journey, I got a lot of messages where people were just saying, just tell me what supplement you're using, just tell me what shampoo you're using, just tell me this, just tell me the other. And I feel so bad about suggesting that the shampoo I'm using would work or that the supplement I'm taking would work because actually they all work in harmony. And when I say they all, I mean the shampoo I'm using, the drops I'm using in the morning, the drops I'm using in the evening, the supplements I'm taking, the diet, everything. So to say one thing, it really worries me. I got very, very overwhelmed, which is why you might have noticed I actually haven't talked about it for quite some time, for a couple of months, because I just got really worried about steering people in the wrong direction. But a lot of people are asking me to film an IGTV about it and another follow-up, and I absolutely will. And I will share what I'm using, but with the caveat of I'm using it because a trichologist has recommended it. So as you know, I am under the care of Annabelle Kingsley and Susie Hammond at Philip Kingsley Trichology. That particular, Philip Kingsley is like the center of excellence when it comes to hair loss globally. I mean, it's world renowned for being unbelievable. But that's a big, big part of why I'm getting results. And Susie is very kindly, uh, last time I spoke to her, she very kindly sort of explained to me Uh, some of the things that I was a little bit confused about and I will be bringing that to an IGTV but I also just get really worried that if I say I'm taking this supplement somebody's going to go off and spend their money and may, may be disappointed I'm getting the results because the core reason for my hair loss was identified and that's what's being treated so taking one eighth of my solution and spending your money on it might not fix what's wrong with you because we don't know what the core issue is And I know that I keep saying, so you have to go and see a trichologist. And I know that a cost is attached to that. But a video consultation with um, Philip Kingsley, I think is around £150. I'll put the exact price in the show notes. And if you were to add up the cost of buying these shampoos that you can buy in your local chemist, if you were to add up the cost of a shampoo, conditioner and scalp treatment protocol, and if you think, okay, optimistically, those will last you three months, that that means that you'll buy in the space of a year, you'll buy four lots of those. And you're probably going to be looking at around, for each three months, you might be looking between, depending on the brand that you want to go with, but you're probably going to be looking at between 30 and 60 pounds, maybe even a bit more. Then over the course of a year, you're going to be spending, what, 120 pounds minimum on a hair loss in inverted commas product. So actually, wouldn't that money be better spent on a video call with a trichologist who will say actually this alone might be better than all of that because I can tell you the one thing I'm not using at the moment is a specialist shampoo it's all the other stuff at the moment I'm just using a shampoo for my hair type so it's moisture balancing and I'm also using a conditioner for my hair type again moisture balancing I'm not using a conditioner or a shampoo that specifically treats the underlying issue so if you see what I mean so that's that's why I've been a bit nervous about addressing hair loss and recently because I know a lot of people and I get it it's a really emotional thing and sometimes you just want people to say just tell me just tell me the supplement you're taking and I can take that but I don't want to tell you to spend your money on that if it might not work for you 
It works for me because we know what the underlying issue is. Without knowing what the underlying issue is with you, it would be really irresponsible of me to recommend it. Same with weight loss. I get a lot of DMs at the moment of people saying, I haven't got time to listen to your podcast. What was what diet do you follow? And it's not as simple as that. So that's that's why it will be coming in an IGTV too. But just to say, my hair density is definitely improving. I have been on a three-month course of iron tablets for my ferritin levels, and I'll explain all of this and why it's relevant in the upcoming IGTV. But I'm still washing my hair every day. I'm still applying tinctures and tonics in the morning and in the evening. And every week I do a scalp mask and I put an, um, the Philip Kingsley product Elasticizer, which is a very deep conditioner, all over my hair. And my hair has responded very, very well. And I will explain in that IGTV because somebody, quite a few people have said, if you have a progressive hair loss condition, which I do, I have androgenic alopecia. If you have a progressive hair loss condition, how come your hair looks thicker? Why does it not just look the same? And that I will explain in the IGTV because uh, Susie very helpfully broke it down for me. But um, it's going very well. And I think the key component is the fact that a trichologist is involved. And I know that that might seem like the long way round, but genuinely, that's that gets my that's the part of it that gets my strongest recommendation. Have somebody look at your scalp in pictures, talk to you, assess your history, figure out what's going on, and then they can tell you what might help, rather than me saying this is what's working for me. It's like all those times I bought clothes because I saw a model wearing them, and then got them home and went, "Well, those hot pants look terrible on me." I feel I don't want to do that to you. I can't do it to you. So I'm trying to share my hair loss journey in a way that's responsible, that will get you closer to the results that you want. And I would hate to think that anything I said would get you further away from the results you want. So that's that's why it's been a bit slow coming. But trust me, I'm going to do an IGTV where I cover it all so that you can see exactly what is going on. Um, somebody has said that they would love to see a day in the life incorporating everything from the supplements I take to the exercise I do to what I eat, how I plan my day, how I work, etc. And they would really like to see that. Well, that too will be an IGTV. Absolutely 100%. I've never thought about doing anything like that, but I absolutely will. The only thing that I won't really cover is what I eat in a day because I happen to think that's quite irresponsible. Again, a little bit like what I'm saying about hair loss journeys. What I eat in a day might not be appropriate for you. And I also think it can just leave, I think it can be unhelpful to somebody who might be experiencing uh, an unhealthy relationship with food, whatever that might be. And last time I said that, I actually had somebody say that they really appreciated that stance. So I stick with it proudly. Um, but I will, I think a day in the life could be quite interesting. And hey, we've got time on our hands in lockdown three, so I can film myself doing whatever it is that I do in a day. Um, uh, somebody has said, uh, this is quite a specific one. And I know you've done a whole episode on the subject already, but going back to your breast reduction, I'm interested to know how it's impacted your ability to exercise or your enjoyment of it, if at all. You made a comment on the podcast with Trini, which chimed with me. I can't remember it exactly, but it was about how no longer always having something in the way. I took it to mean both literally and figuratively in the context of that conversation. I wondered if exercising has become any easier with smaller boobs. I'm considering a breast reduction myself, and this is one of the factors. They're heavy, get in the way when I run and lift weights and prevent me from looking in the mirror when exercising as I hate what I see. Oh, dear. Oh, I feel you. Um, yes, the short answer is it's so much easier to exercise. Um, partly because one of the things that used to really put me off 
getting getting up to exercise was strapping myself into a very highly supportive sports bra because they pinch, they're tight, they restrict your movement. Like if you want to really strap down the boobs that I used to have, you really needed to like almost compress them. And that obviously meant that you couldn't maybe take as deep a breath and it meant that you couldn't really be as agile or move as much. The weirdest thing, the weirdest, weirdest thing is for listeners who followed me for a while, you know that I used to run quite a lot. I I think I ran about 50 yards. <laughs> After my reduction, the first time I went out for a run, I videoed it and I was going to send it to Nick Chapman. I was going to like, look, I'm running. And I think I got 50 yards and I went, oh, I'm never doing that again. I do not like jumping and down. I do not like jumping up and down with these new boobs. And in fact, in the Jillian Michaels app, I have adapted all of the exercises to be low, low impact. So I don't do any jumping. I think the only thing, the only concession I make there is that I do the um, speed rope. So it's like sort of jumping, but it's very low impact, very, very low impact. So I adapt all of my exercises to be low impact. I just don't like the feeling of jumping up and down. But I absolutely feel you. I used to run with with massive boobs, but I guess they were strapped down, so I don't know. But now it just, I, it feels weird to strap, strap. Anyway, it's a very difficult thing. But yes, they were in the way, and I didn't realize that they were. Some people will have big breasts and won't feel like that but I definitely did and it was only after the surgery I realized quite how much they were in the way and yes to answer your question very simply it is much easier to exercise and yeah it is uh they really um and I didn't I didn't realize how much of a difference it would feel like but it is just that thing of lifting weights and doing a bicep curl and not having to do the bicep curl sort of at an angle so you don't whack yourself in the boob all of that kind of stuff is that's absolutely relevant but shouldn't be the reason to get a reduction there should obviously be some other factors at play but um they have re since the reduction i enjoy exercise a lot more and i i think a lot of it is and my ability to exercise is much improved and i think a lot of it is obviously because there isn't that thing in the way those things in the way um Right, I'm going to finish this off because we're heading for an hour. But actually, this is um, a question that I get a lot. And I was really surprised when I started getting it. I was like, really? But a lot of people have asked me why I have an Apple Watch and what my favorite features of it are. Well, okay, first of all, I have an Apple Watch because I have my health insurance in the UK with Vitality and their incentive scheme a couple of years ago, and it still is actually, is that if you sign up, you get to buy an Apple Watch at a very reduced rate. And then if you earn activity points through their reward scheme, you uh, they basically, you get lovely things like it pays off your Apple Watch, but you also get a free coffee. So I get a free Cafe Nero every week. I also, if, if you earn enough points, it also, you can get um, Rakuten film vouchers, cinema vouchers. Obviously that's slightly less relevant at the moment. Um, they pay for Amazon Prime. There are things like you can get 50% off a, subscription to headspace to calm there's loads of things basically there's a really excellent reward scheme so that's why i have an apple watch um and i do need to update it actually because mine's now quite old but my favorite features i don't really use it a hell of a lot i use the timer to make sure that i my boiled eggs are at the perfect consistency which for me is five minutes <laughs> i use the activity tracker and i keep an eye on my steps and i keep an eye on my heart rate i'm i um, every day on my watch face I see I have a calorie goal which is kind of a nonsense because obviously you burn more than this but they um, track your active calories not your basal 
metabolic uh, calorie burn rate. So um, mine's set at 600. So I try and get up and move around so that at the end of the day, if I haven't got to 600 calories, I think, oh, maybe I'll just go for a quick walk. There's um, uh, how many active minutes you've been going, you've been moving. So mine's set at a half an hour. So I like to get that circle closed by uh, after my morning workout. And there's also a stand thing where it, they like you to stand every hour so and that is once an hour for every, for 12 hours so that I like to hit 12 so I like to hit 600 calories on here 30 minutes of active exercise and 12 hours of standing meaning standing at some point during a gosh it's such a weird thing to say standing for a few minutes every hour for 12 hours not necessarily consecutive hours but just so that you hit that target every day so that's what I really really like other than that I don't really link anything else up to it. Um, I really don't, actually. I, I keep mine very simple. I use it to tell the time and I use it to really track my workouts and my steps. That's about it. I know that there are other things that I could do with it, but I just choose not to. Every now and again, it'll suddenly say, sorry, I didn't understand what you meant and I hadn't realized it was listening. It's probably listening now. Um, but that's all I use it for. Time, tracking my workouts and checking my heart rate every now and again. Just, yeah, just mainly during my workouts, I have to be honest. But also if I've sat down for a long time, I think, oh, what's my resting heart rate? Because that's the kind of fun person I am. Okay, there are actually a few more questions, but let's hold off on doing those until another time because I've had a lot of your time already and I do appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in. If anything that we've talked about in this episode has sparked a thought or a feeling, please don't be shy about getting in touch. You can email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. You can also email me or DM me, I should say, on Instagram and Twitter where I'm at Emma Guns. Or I really do encourage you to join the Facebook group, which uh, the link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. But all you have to do is answer a few questions and agree to the form rules and you will be in there and welcomed by a lovely bunch of thousands of fellow most excellent listeners to this podcast. Right now, in fact, this week, we've had a very, very interesting debate about the Cosmopolitan cover, which maybe we'll discuss on this podcast if that's something you would like to hear a group of people talk about. But um, there's been some really interesting debate in there, some really interesting viewpoints, and it's just really wonderful to see that kind of conversation happening. So we've been talking about that and so many other things. So um, please don't be shy about joining. I would love to see you there. I will um, make sure all of the questions are listed in the show notes so that you can go back and see exactly what was covered but as I say if anything has prompted a thought or a feeling and you'd like to get in touch it's always my favorite thing in every single day to get messages from you so please don't be shy thank you so much for listening I will see you on the next one <laughs>